Hi, this is Tony Silva. And Charles Wiz. And this is episode 82, the New Year edition of Two Teachers Talking, where Charles and I get together, talk about teaching English in Japan, and all the related fun, challenge, and puzzlement that comes with it. Uh, today, uh, talking about smartphones, iPhones, and how they can be used in the classroom, and maybe uh, some new ways, and maybe in some obvious ways. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're interesting things, and the way that they create incredibly visceral reactions from people, responses from people when you talk about using Interesting, yeah. smartphones. People really get emotional and well, really yeah, kind of heated. Yeah, I kinda, I've kind of thought that it had like swung around away from that, but no, there's some people still holding on to that now seemingly really kind of old idea that, you know, you know you're in, you walk into the classroom, you put your phones away. But doesn't that remind you of how people were treating computers in the beginning? Or, right, we go, can't, let's or, or do, I'm older, calculators. Or pencils, <laughs> pencils. <laughs> well, goes back all the way to Plato, right? Mm. Writing will cause people to forget their ability, or not books. forget their ability. They said the same about books as well. Right, right. Books, is the end of, books are the end of civilization because all of a sudden people are not going to have to remember anything anymore. Google is the end of civilization because now you can look it up. It's like, okay, all right, okay. It's called progress. Mm. But, you know, there's that great story about Einstein. It's an apocryphal story that Einstein's being interviewed by this journalist. And at the end of the interview, the journalist says to Einstein, you know, and it says, Professor Einstein, I've really enjoyed talking with you, but I'd like to continue this discussion, this interview in the future. Is that okay? And Einstein, being the gentleman that he was, says, okay, of course. And so the, the journalist says, so may I have your telephone number? Because this is like the 1950s. And so... Um, Einstein says, okay, just a second. And he goes over to the phone book and he looks up his phone number. Or so he's looking in the phone book and the guy says to him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm looking up my phone number. He says, I'm sorry, Dr. Einstein, you know, you don't know your own phone number. And Einstein says, why would I fill my brain with information that I can easily access? Right? That's apocryphal. That's not true. I, of course, I'm, I said, didn't I say that it's apocryphal? <laughs> I, just, I did say I just, that. I just I? Want, yes, you did. Yeah, you did. I want to confirm that. that you it. want to confirm to the audience that he's lying again. He's just telling <laughs> a big, a big bogus story. But I did say that it's an apocryphal story, and yeah. I did read it somewhere, sometime, but I don't know when or where. But the idea is, it's an interesting idea, and we seem to have this way of reacting as educators to technology in a, in some ways where some people will adopt the technology and really wrap their arms around it and really be excited about it, but a lot of people will be really resistant to it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the idea of, you know, how, you know, what's the students doing with the technology or we can't trust the students right. with this technology. So that's what I think is going on with modern yeah phony or it's kind of like going back to I think when you and I were working together at the one university and right students they were saying we shouldn't have an internet connection on campus because students will be looking at porn or stuff like that right mm. remember I remember well, not specifically at that institution but yeah that was a common thing that yeah the internet was by definition was not could not be anything serious it was always going to be a diversion and a distractor but I remember somebody actually said they will look at porn, right? Well, there's myself, some, some projection going on there. Yeah, or something. But yeah, I said, well, how would you know? <laughs> is there is there is that stuff on the Internet? But <laughs> it's kind of who would have known that it would have been something like line, that the students just wanted to keep communicating and texting with each mm. other. So, okay, well, what we're going to do today, Tony, is another one of these, like, shotgun things. Is that what yeah. they called it? Yeah. Speed yeah. dating, right? You're gonna, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to bring something up, we're going to talk about it, then I'll bring a topic up, and uh, you'll bring a topic up, and I'll bring a topic up, and so let's start. You go. Okay. Um, images. Just to illustrate talking points, for example, I've used my phone to show what a real winter looks like, for example, or uh, a Christmas dinner several years ago, what a quail looked like. And uh, earlier this semester, I'm trying to explain a pigsty. <laughs> which is a expression that came up in one of the textbooks. So yeah, a picture's worth a thousand words. You have a phone, either carry it, or you've got a small class, you can just walk around the room. You got a bigger class, you have your little connector, and you hook it up to the hopefully projector that's in the corner of the room somewhere somehow. Anyway, yeah, but that's okay. not really that's not really that different from having a computer in the class hooked up. No, except the fact that you can do it when you're at the student's desk or right at right. the students, and you can have it individualized rather than going up and getting a computer. Right. And let's be honest, too, there's a real difference between 
looking at something on a phone or a, on a tablet versus looking at it on a laptop. There's Correct. some kind of, it's a little bit more open, it's easier. Okay. All right, so my turn? Yep. Or are you done with that? Okay. I'm done. Um, I'm done. No, fast. Negative, yeah. negative side. Students um, using, like, sending line messages to each other and not focusing on what you're talking about, not focusing on the lesson. What do you think about that? Well, it's a distraction, but it a lot of it is depends on content. It could very well be discussions about class. It could be well be that your fly is open. <laughs> There's no way. No, it's like the fact that they're communicating with each other can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing. It depends on the nature of the of the communication. Mm -hmm. Okay, but how do we deal with it? Um, I don't think we deal with it. I don't think you have to deal with it. It's like if half your class has their nose in their phone doing something else, mm, something something's wrong with your lesson. I think. Mm, okay. I mean, it's, I think you know, if you're not engaging your students, then I think that's the problem. It's not line. You get, yeah, I mean, it's our task, right, to, to to be more interesting than line. That's for some students. That's almost an impossibility. <laughs> this is that, true. That we would be more interesting. Than We've line. covered that I, too. I'm going to go, right, go to the other side, which is to say uh. that I think that it's there's a tendency to make it really general. Okay. Um, there are certain students who are constantly looking for a distraction or just are not interested. And before that, they would just space out in class. Mm. And we probably would maybe notice or not notice it. But a disinterested or, no, sorry, an uninterested student um, is obvious when they're doing line. And it's a question of when are they doing it, how are they doing it. But it is a distraction. But the key, I think, is so is everything else. So is your brain. Your brain's a distraction if you're daydreaming mm. in class. How much different is that really? Right. The student loses interest. The mind wanders. And it's going to go to the nearest attractive alternative. Right. Um, Which used to know, be the window. The girl, the girl's the window. out the window. The girl next to you has legs. Um, yeah. Or, or the phone in your hand. Right. It's like, hmm. So, okay, I, I, so yeah, again, they keep, them, keep, them on, keep, keep their interest. Keep them on task. Okay. You go. Um, I use my uh, phone to take photographs of my students at the beginning of each year, uh, largely so that I can learn their faces and names because I have so many that it, I really need that. It helps me immeasurably at grading time. Or whenever a student disappears, it's like, okay, which one was that? Um, and um, I print those out in, you know, you know, in an ink-saving way. And... Um, I always share it with them at the end of the semester, and it's kind of fun to see, especially the first-year students who grow so much in that nine months. Um, I take the pictures in April, show, show them to them again in, in January, February, in January, generally, for the exams. And it's a, a nice little Natsukashi moment for everybody and lets them, you know, at least subliminally, uh, think back on their year and what changes have occurred and hopefully what they've learned. Hmm. Okay, so you use it kind of and take a picture, but you could have done that with a you used to do that with a right. digital camera, right? Well, we all we all did a lot of these things with other things, but yeah, it's just like this is one more thing that you don't need to bring to class. Yeah, I, I use it um, because I ask my students to upload their homework. If they don't and they print it out, then I could take a picture of their homework and then say, okay, now I have a record. Please send me the digital copy when you have it. A chance. Mm -hmm. That's a real useful way to do it. Um, okay. But I tend to... Well, okay, let's backtrack a little bit. So you go in on the first day. You take their picture, right? Hmm. And then what do you tell them to do with their phones? Because, you know, they have their phones on well, their desk. Do you tell them to put the phones with this, away? With this, there's no student use of the phone. I, I'm using the phone, the phone and use in the classroom. I'm using both from the teacher end and from the student end. Okay, so, so right now we're just talking about teacher side. Well, so far, those are the two things that I brought up, but I don't think we need to categorize it. I mean, either either which way. Okay. I don't have my stuff in any order. Yeah. The other thing that I really like to use the phone in the sense of taking pictures is when I've done stuff on the board. Yeah, there we go. That was my next one. Class, right? <laughs> that was my picture. next one. I take yeah. a picture of the board, and I, I, if I were really smart and diligent and competent, I would post those boards onto mm, the website. That's, that's a thought. You know, just even though it makes no sense to anybody else, the students might find it. Yeah, also, my, my my Blackboard work is so pathetic that I, I, I shudder to think about that, but I can... 
see where that kind that methodology is very attractive. However, when I think about what I put on the board, I'm not right, sure I don't that know I if I want to have a record. Share of that. that with anybody, especially especially the spelling mistakes problem, mm. right? That, <laughs> that gets scary, doesn't it? Right, but I'm thinking that that's a nice thing. That's a nice record. Again, yes. that, that's one of the things. Again, what we're going to talk about is just the way that that allows you to capture your spontaneity and how you improvise in a class, which before, if you didn't write it down immediately afterwards while it was happening, you would lose that and forget that. Okay, well, that goes right back to your Einstein story, right? It's like, this is that all That was an I, apocryphal story, okay? Well, but it doesn't matter. That, okay? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh, it's now so you true. say that it doesn't matter. Now you say that it doesn't matter. For my own mind, I just wanted to confirm that it was apocryphal and that it wasn't true. So that when I repeat it, I'm not wrong. But anyway, um, yeah, but that <laughs> I don't exactly know where you're going with that, that okay. idea of, um, you know, things that it, it's one more thing that you don't have to hold in your head to get in the way. It's like, OK, I've got the record of it. Fine. I can always access it again. I don't need to remember it. My mind is free to do something else. You know, that's a really good point is it's just one less thing to remember. Yep. Because you're going to forget. That's a, <laughs> Exactly. It's one less thing to remember because you're gonna if, if you're gonna forget it if you don't do this, and it's mm -hmm. it's a good metric. Mm -hmm. Is this going to help me remember something, and am I not likely to forget? Because ease of use is an incredibly important concept, and how much we'll use something and do something, and that's why the students are. By the way, going back to the first thing that's why they're checking line it's easy to use it's an easy way to space out so make it easy to use to do something differently right and for for me this photos of the blackboard thing is something that i learned from my students yes they do it is i i did the board at the end of the class i'm putting my stuff away and the kids are walking to the front room they're taking pictures of the blackboard i'm going hmm hmm yeah <laughs> gee <laughs> Thank you, students. <laughs> but it's interesting to see how many do it and how many don't. Yeah, well. But it's an it's an interesting thing because that replaces. Remember the I remember when I first came to Japan and they had the whiteboard that would scan the whiteboard and then print out a copy of the what was on the whiteboard. Do you remember those? I've never had that. I saw this like in my first year in Japan because I never saw one in America, and I was like, "Wow, this is a really cool technology." I don't know; it must have cost like you know ten thousand dollars or something, mm -hmm. right? And now you got a smartphone mm -hmm. in your pocket, right? So there's one aspect is the picture taking um, mm. that they can. Ah, if a student doesn't have the textbook that day, or there's a handout or something that they missed. Well, a lot day. of my students have their just take photos of their textbook and bring it on their phone. You see, okay, I was going to say that what I have done is I scan my textbooks mm -hmm. in. Um, I buy, you know, the copy, get the copy. Right. They're students. They can't afford the scanner, so they do the same thing, but the cheap way. They just take a picture of the page. Right, and I have no problem mm. with that. Sure. Unless, of course, they have to write on it. There's a workbook section or something. Ah, but they're so good at that. Yes, they figure it out. <laughs> they figure it out. Mm. Right, I'm, so sh I'm shocked at how many of my assignments, because you can see in the headers of the email, right, how many of my assignments are done on phones. It's insane. Really? Yeah. See, I don't do that because I, I have them do their assignments in a cert. Okay, they do their some of their assignments on see? a phone. You're correct, yes. It's from a web page, but they're doing it on their phone. Right, right. right. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a good thing, so I don't yes. know. Yes. Right. The phone to them is a computer to us. Mm-hmm. Right, and we know that's a fact because once you ask them to use a computer, they totally fall apart. But if they have to do something on their phone, they're pretty competent. Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing, it's, this is just an aside, is one of the things I have noticed, though, is my students will, like, not buy an app. They will not pay for an app. Mm, they'll, they'll, they'll download and install anything as long as it's free. Right. But if I say, look, this is a really excellent app, they'll go, but, but it costs 300 yen. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, there's a real generation gap there. Yeah, you guys remember? Remember uh, Adobe Photoshop in like nineteen ninety two or something cost one hundred and fifty thousand yen, mm -hmm. anyway. or more, yeah. or more or something. Mm. Yeah, so these kids won't even spend uh, three hundred yen sometimes. Okay, so f taking photographs, videoing is very good too. Yes, to give students immediate feedback on how they sound, how they look when they're doing presentations, for example. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do. I've done that, and that's um, really nice. It's not. It can be useful. It can be a, a a downer. You know, we no one likes to hear their own voice. No one likes to see themselves. 
Um, so whether you share that with the student or not, but it's good for the teacher to see what the students are. If you've got the video of it, you can go back and look at it and see actually what they were doing and what they weren't doing. And that's, that can be extremely useful, I think. Mm. Right, but it doesn't matter if you Well, you've like got a record. Your... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It doesn't matter. If we'd like to hear our voices or don't want to watch ourselves. I mean, every teacher's been videoing. No, but like showing the student, showing like videoing a student, then showing the student the video thing can be a, oh my God, I'm so ugly. I sound yeah, but, so terrible. But, I'm never okay. going to do this again, right? Yeah, so. but, but the best part of it though, here's the good part of it, is before we would have had to do it with a projector connected in front of the classroom or oh, carrying yeah. the laptop oh, over. Yeah, yeah. Now I can just turn to the student and you could say, hey, let's take a look at this together, just you and me. Mm. And it's private. Yeah, that's good. Good point. Right? You know, yep. and because it's a small screen, you both are hunched over. Nobody else can see what's going on. Mm. But you were going to say something, Tony. Um, I don't remember what it was. Okay, so that's really helpful. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> go. I'll go with the next one. Maps. Okay. Maps, maps, maps. World and regional maps. Um, uh, no surprise that... I mean, we are disadvantaged being Americans. Um in terms of our education, you know, world geography, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but our students don't fare much better. <laughs> and um, it's often really useful to uh, be able to just pull up uh, either a map of the world, a map of a specific region. You're talking about a different country, different place, and uh, talk about things and uh, what the maps are, along with the, the links that go along with that. I mean, you, know, you, you pull up like on, on Google Maps a particular area, and then it's got like, so, you know, like whatever, you know, Paris. And then you, you get like the photos of the Champs-Élysées and, and the yes, Eiffel yes. Tower. And, and to have all that just like, in, just you know, in seconds, being able to give that extra dimension to whatever it is you're talking about in class is, is a real nice thing. It's that extra little layer of information, a little extra dimension to it that's going to increase the chances of them remembering whatever it is that you're trying to teach them. Right. And if you are teaching them something about a place and it's come up, what's really fun is to show them a picture and then say, now figure out where this is. Mm -hmm. See what you can do. Running with that is the idea that I no longer teach directions. I remember I always used to teach directions to students because it was really practical. When they yeah, we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. And there's no need to do that anymore. Really no need to do it anymore. They'll be taking their smartphones with them. So, But it's interesting if you do... Um, actually have them go through on a map and then have to find like a landmark on that street and then they have to name it. It's a very good search kind of activity. Mm. Makes for some good stuff. So, okay, so using maps is good. Google Earth as well, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Okay, your turn. My turn? Uh-oh. My turn? Think mm. of something. Think of something. <laughs> Think of something. Okay, um, dictionary use. Look up okay. these. There you I go. think it's great. Oh, That's God. Just, yeah. God. It's just, it's great, you know? They mm -hmm. don't have to carry these heavy dictionaries around. And Line has a dictionary built I, into it. I am amazed at how many students still carry both their iPhones and an Electri uh, electronic, uh, dictionary, right? electronic dictionary. Yeah, I noticed that too. I'm surprised every time I see one. I was like, why? I don't use the Japanese software dictionary enough to be able to have any to gauge its efficiency or, or ease of use or usefulness but i can't imagine that it's so bad that it warrants carrying another device around with you that's that's that's, that's always a mystery to me i gotta ask my students why they mm. do that it might be that they get better examples Maybe there are more sentences with um, more example sentences, example usage. I, you must be, there must be some advantage to it. But I just think it's great that students can just look a word up right away. Yeah. That's really great. Here's an interesting thing. Um, I was asked to teach a methodologies class this semester. So it's for uh, our second year students. And I said, okay, here's the textbook. And... Um, I'd like you to buy this on a Kindle because it's half price or something. It's much cheaper. And the students were like, da, da. they were really kind of complaining mm. about it, okay? And then I said, look, why don't you just get it and start reading it? And then I showed them that when they're, and they all read on their phones. I said, mm -hmm. look, you could read this anywhere now. You don't have to take an extra book around. I just saved you weight. I just, but then what I did is I showed them that 
you can set the dictionary in Kindle for English to English or English to Japanese, and all you have to do is tap and press, mm -hmm. tap and hold on a word, and the definition comes up. It's amazing. They've all been unbelievably grateful and happy to use mm. the Kindle, you know, to be reading electronically now. Um, I showed them how to take, you know, highlight and how they can access their highlights and they can email each other the highlights. And so I think for reading, that's one way on top of it. But the dictionary, the built-in dictionary into an e-reader is just how much, you know, I'm the ease of looking up a word. Oh, right. Yeah. And then people can say, but if they look up the word easily, then they don't have to write it down. And the next time they see it, they'll look it up and you say, exactly. It's a built-in system on frequency checking and how often they, they come across the word. And after a number of times, they will learn the word. Hmm. So I think that the dictionary use of a phone is great. It's just easy. It's there. It's at any time. They can use it while they're on a train, while they're in class. I think that's great. Okay, your turn. Um, this bleeds over into computer use, but YouTube. Okay. YouTube for all kinds of things. YouTube not only for, um, you know, whatever is... Uh, I use it and assign things from it for listening classes. There's their uh, listening assignment for a particular YouTube site. So they're all over that with their phones. They come to class, they're all, you know, they haven't done it. They're studying right before class for the test, that the little mini quiz that I do at the beginning of, of the class. Um, useful for, I do also listening exercises with like with songs and then, being able to give them the link to so they can see the song performed live by whatever performer it might be. Um, I mean, all kinds of things. We talked about, you know, just the ge geographical things that we we're talking about. Uh, for example, you know, London or Paris or you know, whatever it is, Istanbul, uh, to be able to go to YouTube and get like a little thing. So, okay, boom, there you are. So mm -hmm. both for uh, accenting things in class, for creating assignments for students outside of class, for additional information, additional research, and so forth and so on. I mean, this is YouTube, and it's that again. It's all right there on in your pocket on the phone. Hmm. Yeah, that's a hard one to argue with. But here's the 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 thing that's a little bit surprising for me, is that I've used like say, okay, why don't you watch this TED Talk or why don't you watch this YouTube? That's the next one thing. on my list. TED Talks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we can, we can like put you, them together. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. oh, it's YouTube. It's just another yeah. way of, of using YouTube in a, just a slightly different way. Right. And, but what I've done, this is what's really surprising to me, is I said, okay, get your headphones out, and listen to this, because then they can. I don't have to start everybody and stop everybody at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about differentiated learning, here's a perfect example. Mm -hmm. It allows the students who need just one pass to do one pass and then move on to another task. The students who need to repeat, you know, the listening or watching uh, ever get to do that. Right. So it really, so there's just how can you argue with that? But mm. what's really the problem was that I said, okay, take out your headphones so that you can listen and the other per the person next to you is not bothered. Most of the students don't have headphones. I don't understand that. I've seen that too. You, you, but... Right? You've seen this too, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, excuse me, <laughs> you, you don't listen to music on your headphone when you're traveling? You know, you're, what, what, what's going on here? I'd say easily 50 to 60%, easily 50%, and probably up to two-thirds of my students do not bring headphones. Mm. So I had to adjust for that. But the idea that students, rather than having this centrally controlled video or audio track that I start and then stop and then I ask the students do you want me to repeat do you not want to repeat etc etc this way um, it's really easy yes they work at their own pace yeah and then of course as we've talked about before um, breaking news English that has the multiple speeds yeah it's great right allows mm. the student to choose a speed that's appropriate and the other thing that's great about it is that you could say okay I want you to work on you know you're listening now we're going to do extensive listening on oh, now we're really really working on just you know listening for at normal speed see how much you get and the students can do that at their own pace so suddenly my classroom is Correct, and at least in terms of you know differentiated learning. Yeah, it's thirty individual classrooms, and it's great too. As you said, you know you do TED talks, and they can do it with the you know English subtitles or the Japanese subtitles. Get a sense of what's going on, and then they can um, 
listen without subtitles or listen with just the English subtitles. The disadvantage is I think the interactive transcripts doesn't interactive transcripts do not work on a phone, but they work on a computer, correct? I'm not sure about that. I know that they work on my computer. I've the interactive mm. transcript. By the way, if you don't know about interactive transcripts with TED Talks, you should definitely look into that where mm. they have the, the transcript and you just click on it and it goes to exactly that place in the video. And then, so uh, that's a very it, nice, nice thing. Great feature. And again, this is like that one of those, um, it's not really a double-edged sword, but like people, will, you'll, you'll have people, it's like, well, they're not listening. They're just reading the transcript. It's like, well, you know, that's not, <laughs> if my if my student is spending 10 minutes pouring or going over and reading this damn transcript and, and, and getting the content that way, it's like, that's really not really a bad thing. It's like, you know, some people want to get it from, from listening. Some people get it better from reading. It's like, you know, and if they're going to spend that time reading English, that's fine. <laughs> that's just fine. You know, it's really, it's funny because this has been coming up for me. It's good enough. It's just good enough. It's better than nothing. It's not optimal, but it's just good enough. So if students are somehow engaging with the language, even if it might not be exactly the way I want, but they're it's the way that they it. want, yeah, right? exactly. That's just, yeah. Right. It's their it's their preferred learning style. Mm. That whole thing, right? Which you know, I, mm. I, mean, I know, right? I know. <laughs> Neither one of us, you know, show me the evidence for that, please. Right? Show me the data that actually proves that there's a learning style. But um, yeah, it's where's the negative there? Yeah. Okay. And again, it's. I think this is an old. I wonder how much of our use and our approach to this technology is based on kind of older approaches to teaching. Mm -hmm. That right, the teacher's way is the right way. And when we assign a listening task, we only want listening instead of saying, you know, it's multimodal. Why? Right? Why? Nobody exists. Nobody <laughs> no listens to the radio. No communication exists like in one plane. It's all multidimensional. It's and right. What difference does it make? Right. And then you look at, for example, that was the problem always with phone calls. You remove the visual input and look at how the the message becomes so much more difficult to ascertain and decode. Yeah, it's funny because those I, visual clues. Right. Yes, I always I use always use that as an example. And um, when I did the listening assignments with like either using YouTube or TED or whatever, and my initial response is like, oh, okay, well, I should make sure that this one doesn't have the closed caption option available. So it's like, well, you know what? It really doesn't matter because <laughs> you know if they're gonna if they're gonna go through and they're gonna you know however they do it, they're still learning. And why limit? It's like, just, who cares? Well, you could see how you get into a problem when it's a listening class and you've been specifically <clears throat> given the responsibility of teaching. Right. Listening. Well, they're going to get that on. To they're going to get that listening. on the test anyway. So, but, um, but 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 here's the thing, though. Here's the argument, right? Is that listen? Unless I'm listening to the radio, which I don't think I even have a radio anymore, <laughs> or a or, couple of old or, fart teachers, right? Or a podcast, for example. <laughs> yeah. Or a podcast, um, and the rare times that I'm actually making phone calls, most of the time my listening is in a real world situation where there is like most of my senses are engaged. And why do we teach listening as this isolated, you know, activity that is devoid of all the other natural environmental right. factors? Right. right. I don't even know right. if that made any sense. But that's, again, that's why it makes sense that, you know, you want to have, have students when they're doing a listening exercise to, to be something like a YouTube or a TED Talk where they're seeing the person talk. Because how often do they just listen to somebody for 40 minutes or 20 minutes? Right. And I know I use an incredible amount of visual cues when um, I'm communicating in Japanese to fill in the gaps. Right. Right? Yep. So, yep. okay. And so maybe we're, we're getting somewhere that it would be an interesting piece of research, right, is to look at people's approaches to the use of phones or technology in the classroom and how they approach, you know, the teaching of skills in an isolated or a multimodal setting. That's an interesting way to look at it. Okay, all you younger teachers out there, get on it. No, actually, all you older teachers. I'm I'm done publishing. No, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> but it's an interesting. It would be an interesting thing to see how the if there's a correlation there. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Nice question. Your turn. Ha ha. 
Um, contrary, con- oh, you I don't know. <laughs> I think your turn. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Contrary to what I said before about how everybody hates seeing themselves and hates hearing their own voices, um, using the phone to record student voices is uh, it's a is a great little tool. Um, not only for if the teacher wants, like for example, samples of students' production, either whether it has to do with you know level of discourse or whether it has it has to do with pronunciation. Um, you've got a recorder in your pocket and um, being able to get that is really helpful for the teacher. It also is really helpful and, and the kids really enjoy it. You know, and I te- have taught pronunciation classes um, for them to um, record their own voices and all different kinds of things. So not only to just do a raw recording of their own voice and then hear it back, but also to use, for example, the you know, switch their phone to English mode where they have to do dictation and they dictate to the phone and then they look and see, you know, voice to text. Um, what did, what did the phone hear me say? <laughs> and um, it's discouraging, especially initially for them because of, of course, what the, what the phone says that they said and what they think that they said. Well, it's uh, discouraging can... for me when I use dictation. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's always funny. It's like, so they, you know, they try and they get frustrated and, and, and of course, you know, used to it as like knowing exactly what, the 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 algorithm is looking for they're always amazed that i can get a sentence out and it prints out exactly what i say go and they clap and (laughs) it's like it's like well it's okay you know it's it's all right i i kind of know english that's part of the thing so just just to see how close you can get and don't work about all sentences but you know phrases and you want to go in with phrases rather than individual words because the the algorithm is set up to understand sentences and it'll it'll think right one word is really hard but if you have a phrase right um and uh, actually it was it was really cute one of the um in the i had a class in the first semester was a pronunciation class and um one of the phrases that i used a lot uh was bacon lettuce and tomato sandwich because there's so many (laughs) ways to go wrong with that for a japanese learner of english right and so almost in every <laughs> little small test that we had, there was always a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. And that was one of the things that they used <clears throat> with their phones in terms of dictation. And uh, the the class had, uh, at the end of the, at the term, had each, they had, did group presentations and things. And they had this whole um, setup where uh, there were a number of instances of bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches. And I got really hungry. listen to these student presentations but i can't say that the phone helped them with their pronunciation but it did really make them try and it it, it, they really worked at it and they had immediate visible feedback on their pronunciation it was a nice tool and this is kind of largish class like for that it's like 30 students so the phone gave each of them individual attention that i couldn't Right. And now the flip side of that is that you can model the pronunciation for them. They can record it, and then they have it for themselves whenever they need it. They get a lot of that. Um, I put a lot of stuff of my own voice online for them to download and compare. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm just thinking though. Immediately, you know, during the class, if a student is having trouble with a certain You're, phrase yeah, or a certain I've done sound, that too. Yeah, right, you can immediately do that. But the idea that I got from you, Tony, I never thought about this. is really fun. Is there's that that game called Telegraph, where once to you give a message. Um, like a sentence or two to one student and then, and then they, they have to pass it down the line pass yeah. it down until by the time that it uh-huh. gets done it's totally distorted right i'm right. thinking now you could probably do that with recording and then it goes to text and then the text person has to read what message that is and then it gets dictated down the line that might be a real fun activity it's fun but the one downside that i found in that game is that yeah. what happens is that they very quickly learn to mispronounce the english to make it understandable for another Japanese person. If the so dictation? They, so they no, use I'm talking the, about with the dictation. No, no, no. It's like the, the sentence. You give them a sentence. It's like, um, Bob bought uh, a turkey. And it doesn't take them long to, to, to like, okay, they read the sentence or they hear the sentence. And, they, and so the next kid, they go, Babu bato ataki. And right, they get it. And then the, the kid at the end gets it perfectly because they've heard katakana ego through the whole <laughs> Right, but what, and so they re, they're able to reproduce it. Okay, but what I'm saying is changing it a little bit is using the dictation function. Right. So you dictate something, <clears throat> and then 
they have to read the dictated message, mm. and then that message gets dictated. Oh, okay. So, so reading it. Okay. Right, exactly. Cool. And Excellent. then using the dictation so that they can't do that. Ooh. And by the time, I'm sure that I've got to do this in class. He don't. He don't. That's going to be funny. That's a severe funny. test. That's a severe test. That's hard. Right, but that's how you avoid that katakana yes. kind of yes. Yes. English yes. thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's, yeah, for listening activities, the dictation is a great way to go. For help working with their pronunciation, I think, is a great way to go. That's um, good, but I, I got to try this. I got to try the telegraph game using the dictation yeah, yeah. thing. That's going to be kind of interesting, but I got to test it out first with myself. <laughs> See, what <we laughs> See if really... it's possible. <laughs> yeah, but that's an interesting one. But I think that's a perfect example of everyone has their own personal recorder. Right. And we couldn't have asked students to do that before. Right. And now that they have that. So mm, that's a good idea. Okay. Uh, changing different mm. ways. Something I really like is that uh, this is a technical thing is sometimes I get into a room and there's no projector or I have a room where it, something's wrong with the projector or the projector's just not in a good place. It's great. I don't have to tell my students to look at projectors anymore. I just tell my students, okay, go to the website, go to week 10. And everybody has their phone there. I don't need to set up a projector if necessary. And in a certain way, it now has become a listening exercise because they're also listening to me talk and say, okay, go to the point, you know, let's take a look, let's read this together. Now, if you notice the third bullet point, and they have to follow. So it's nice that they have that in front of them. I don't, it saves me sometimes some setup time. If something goes wrong with the projector, it's great. I don't have to worry about different kinds of dongles. And more importantly, I often don't have to go out of my way for 10 minutes to get a key so that I can open up the cabinet and get the remote control to turn on the projector. And then I save, mm -hmm. you know, a bunch of time. And, you know, over a year, that's a lot of time saved. Mm. But I like that, you know, I can just have them pull up the website at all times and access it in the class without using a projector hmm. what do you think oh um, um i like that i like that and i can't wait until those um we have a way and i'm sure there is already kind of probably um like for happen when we make these websites for our students as, as you and i both do to have them like dynamic I mean, so so we can just like go in real time and change and put in new, fresh input and redact and and change and move things around and they, everyone sees it like in real time. Uh, mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of like collaborative sites and and Google Docs is or whatever it's called now. Google Drive, Google, right, Google, Google Drive. something. Um, and I experimented a little bit with this this last semester to mixed effect. The kids really didn't get into it, where they could like. It was a writing exercise, and there were model sentences that needed to be corrected, and I put it on uh, – uh, I tried a couple of different things. I tried Google Docs so that they could all log in, and like, then they – some were – there just wasn't enough interest, or they just – I didn't do a good enough job of explaining it. It kind of tanked. But um, someday soon where – yes, those web page the web page you just talked about where there is like – your access to the to, to the main thing and then like a little sidebar where there are comments and questions and this is not something that needs to get set up it's just kind of there all the time quip but you have to pay money for it <clears throat> kind of does it yeah again how much student, money it's it's too much that you can't ask students yeah, to yeah, pay yeah. for it right if uh, it was, yeah you see the basic the basic measure there is does the service cost in a semester come out to be less than a textbook Mm -hmm. If it's less than a textbook, I figure I can ask the students to do it, but then you can't have a textbook. Correct. But you could ask, say, look, this, you know, they'll complain about the service, and you say, yeah, but it's costing less than the textbook would, okay? Do yeah. you want to pay for a textbook? And then they'll all go, okay, we'll pay for the service. So that's always a question. Okay, well, that'll be here soon. Okay, but anyway, right, it's, it's here. I, like it's here. It. I like the idea of that dynamic page. You can kind of do that with um, Ghost. Yeah, there's all kinds of kind of the blog. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a kind of. Yeah, it makes you but so angry. I know, but here's the good thing: is that if you use this, is different from WordPress, okay? And this is one of the major advantages of using something like Ghost, okay? Is if you're doing it on your computer, you open up your page and you get into edit mode. The and because it's using Markdown, and I'm we've talked about this before, but I'm geeking mm -hmm. out here. But this is a great thing. Ghost will automatically preview on the right pane. 
Mm-hmm. So it splits your web page, yep. right? Yep. And you're typing in, and on the right side, it's what it's going to look like. Right. So you kind of get close to that, and you can adapt and modify immediately afterwards. But students have to be looking at the board. It's not changing on their phones, which is what they're talking about. Mm. Yeah, okay. Refresh the page and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Phones, um, <clears throat> writing activity, phones. Because, again, for anyone who's taught in Japan, you'll know most students do not bring computers. It's to class. But by the way, in my writing two class, I have a, um, an advanced writing class. Um, all the students are either bringing, there's like seven students in the class and three bring computers and four are on iPads with keyboards. I do, yeah, I just wanted to say that like, again, we talked about, well, this is actually before the show, we talked about the incredible difference, uh, differences there are uh, among different schools that we teach and different classes that we teach. And... Um, I have to say, at one of the universities where I teach, um, the use of uh, personal commu- computers and um, tablets uh, at the, at one universe, one university specifically, has just shot up insanely. Um, in regular classes, and these are it's a, it's an integrated English class, so it's like a, it's like a four skills type thing, but at at very advanced level, um, I think the PC tablet use is maybe approaching fifty percent. Hmm. It's probably at like about forty percent, maybe. But that's that's very new. That was not the case last year. It's it's really taken off. It's um a very, I don't know what external factors might be contributing to this, but it was it's pretty amazing. And of hmm. course, the rest of them are on their phones anyway. So right, well. In my seminar class, I have uh, four students right now. One has a MacBook Air and three bought iPads because I'm um, for reading mm-hmm. primarily. But they're turning, they bought keyboards and now they're totally productive and they take their notes and they do pretty much everything on the iPad. So that's kind of an interesting thing. But what I was going to say is for <clears throat> writing, it's great because they could use something, an, um, an online app, for example, Hemingway, which is a great little checker for sentence complexity use of adverbs adjectives passive voice doesn't fix grammar but they can immediately get feedback on their sentences while they're writing Hmm. and so you know you have your students just thumbing away and you know some of them are pretty quick actually at thumbing yes they are yes so (laughs) i think you know it's funny because my complaint is why aren't you bringing some kind of device to class that you can work with effectively. So, but I'm happy that they can use the phones and they can thumb away and I can say, okay, put in, write a sentence. Now check in on Hemingway. Let's go. How, you know, how complex is, what's your reading level on the sentence? Did you use too many adverbs or adjectives? It's, it's very good that way. So that's a nice way to use it. Okay. Your turn. My turn. Um, slide presentations, PowerPoint, keynote. Um, not only uh, as a remote control for slide presentations, but as the uh, provider for, or as the, cl- not the client, the, what's, what's the other thing? The server, client for server. the client server for uh, running your PowerPoint or your keynote presentation from your phone um, or for students, right? So um, students, m- many of them are unaware that they can run PowerPoint or keynote on their phones, Um and you know, then I I have the the, the dongles at least for at least for the Apple devices uh, to connect to whatever projector we've got, and so they just do their presentations on their phones. Mm. And if you're doing a presentation at um, you know Jalt or whatever, I mean the phone as a as a remote control is a no brainer. Yeah, yeah, but actually I've kind of reversed this. I got this going it the other way, like that other guy. Yeah, I remember we that talked guy about from this, like Sparky or something, right? Yeah. Where you workflows, you, right? You use the phone as the server, you plug right. that in, but you use the iPad as the remote control. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> you can, you got more control, right? Yeah, and it's bigger, it's nicer. Yeah, yeah. So you know, one way is to just mm. think about that. That's your connecting device, and then mm. you just access it from an iPad. It's great, and you can walk around the room, and you have freedom. Mm. By the way, the other thing you can do is you can bring a little Apple TV and hook it into the projector. That's also mm. a nice way to go. But that's an extra thing you have to take around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but. Uh, it's just amazing how powerful the um, the PowerPoint and Keynote applications on the phones are. It's how much you can do and how good to how much you can do and how good of a job you can do. 
my my kids do the whole damn thing on their phones. Yes. And it's and and they do a good job. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a supercomputer. <laughs> we um, live in magical times. Uh, you got it. I okay. think when yeah. Mm. Okay, another kind of presentation thing that I do with the phones is I use Google Forms for students to evaluate each other because we've talked about this before that I don't have the students come up in front of the room that they're doing their presentations either one-to-one or in small groups so they get multiple iterations, multiple chances to do their presentations. So what they have them do is I have a Google Form, I put the link on the website, they click on that and then each student types in, let's say, their identifying information. And then they hand their phone to the listener and then the listener just has to type in, you know, punch in the scores for each different measure. For example, the person, you know, made eye contact throughout the presentation. The person's voice was lively and, you know, was modulated properly, et cetera, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. And so the students are just tapping in this information, pushing submit, and voila, I have their their scores in a in Google Drive, which is then easily turned into um, a spreadsheet. That is an incredible time saver, rather than mm-hmm. having them fill out pieces of paper and then having sure. to hand enter that data. God. Oh, that's great. Mm. And I say to them that while you're, you have to both be looking or all everybody has to be looking at the screen and when you give a seven, for example, you have to explain to the student, I'm giving you a seven because, and this is where I let them use Japanese if they want to, if it's not the highest level classes, so that they're giving feedback and saying, okay, I gave you a seven because this, this, and this, and you've taught them how to give feedback, and it's an effective way for them to score, and it's an incredible time saver for me. I can't believe how much time it saves for me. And I get oh, yeah, the charts. Yes, Go yes. All, all that kind of stuff is, is just fantastic. Just letting them, uh, you know, be able to respond to, you know, things that you've created for them and stuff is just, yeah, it's a real, real, real time saver. Right. But I'm saying it's an incredible time saver for me. Yes. Right? Oh, but yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I couldn't do this. And this is something I could not do without a phone because most of them are not going to bring computers to class. Mm. But everybody has a phone. Everybody. I mean, now it... and. Last year, I might have like one student out of... It's really changed the last two or three years. It's like three years, I think, and if you go back, you can probably hear me lamenting the fact that I can't do it yet because there's always this handful of kids who don't have the phones, don't have the phones. Like, I don't have that. Right now, it's at most one. Right. Out of all your classes. (laughs) Yes. Not out of each class. Maybe one. Maybe one. Yeah. Well, okay. So here's the negative But most not. Most not. Okay. Okay, here's the negative side, though. So I'm using things like Google Forms. We're using Socrative, which we've talked about before. There's always one student in every class who's having a connection problem. (laughs) This is the downside. Uh Every student has a phone, pretty much. But there's always one or two connection problems. Well, there is. Well, that's one of my other items that on my list. Just knock it off real fast because it's it's small. But um, most services, at least here in Japan, I'm thinking, um, have a... The, the the English word is tethering here a personal hotspot uh, thing that allows that allows you to use your phone as a or phone or your computer as a you know as a hotspot. So if you if you on your device have a connection, you can allow people to log into or act, if if you want to um, access your phone or your computer to use um, in class for that. I mean I've done that for for kids on an individual basis. Um, I need to watch that a little bit more now because <clears throat> um, several, a couple of universities do not provide, have Wi-Fi access in the classroom, so I end up using oh, my God, own. Oh, God, yes. I yeah. know. I know. So, yeah, so I end up using my, my tethering data <laughs> allowance um, for use in class on those two days. So I don't have a lot of extra data to share. Uh, but, um, that's another option, but, and again, and, but my point was like for, for, uh, the teacher is like you get in a classroom and you don't have Wi-Fi access. Well, you know, use your phone as your hotspot and then you can, you know, in a pinch, you can, you can do what you need to do. Mm. Well, the thing is, is that there's, it just allows you to do so many different things and it, it gives you so much more space to improvise. Mm-hmm. So you can adapt, right? You can use your hotspot. Um, I've yeah. given students my my phone to use during class. I always had at least have an extra device. You know, I have an iPad and an iPhone always. So it, it usually works. 
and you know for example just teaching it's yes yes i can't complain i can't argue okay moving on the other thing is the as you pointed out before the ability to use google earth the ability to um show let them use maps and things the ability just to use google in class right you, you sure. give them a concept that they don't know or something you just go google it yes get with it right and I don't understand why people argue with this, especially when we talk about learner autonomy, because this is what we want them doing is I don't want you asking me a question. Or as I was explaining to the students when, uh, in one of these, um, these pedagogy courses, I said, your goal as a teacher is to get not for you to work, but is to get your students to do the work. Right. And what's the problem with having them Google? They're having to read, and then you can say, okay, well, you know, for the lower level student, just read it in Japanese real quickly. Boom, I've saved maybe 10 or 12 minutes of an explanation, mm -hmm. and I can go back to directly teaching something. Um, teaching them how to Google using their phones in class that way, I think it's great. I don't see where the downside is. Right. And uh, again, it's, I think there's just so many different things we can do. But, yeah, you know, with the Google, could, just like another given, just like you know, basic translation, you know, and duh. I mean, we... yeah, I mean, if, for example, you can have them look something up in and it takes them 30 seconds and your explanation in the native, in the target language would take three or four minutes. It seems to me that most of the time you might be able to use that time much more effectively by teaching rather than explaining something which they can just get really quickly. Right. And I don't know where the where the research shows that it's a negative for them to just get a direct translation versus a teacher explanation. Mm -hmm. But correct, if it's correct, really correct. effective, sorry, if it's really effective in terms of time, I think it's a much better way to go. But mm -hmm. we, I think we can keep going and going and going. The use of games that they can play with each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, getting students across the classroom, different groups, you know, you separate two groups and you have them sending messages to each other while they're working on some kind of group GAC gap activity that's really really fun for them too they enjoy that <laughs> i had to, this is you were talking about the games and stuff i, I came up thought i had a great solution a, a great uh -oh. find and i just Warning. ran into a big wall big wall it was um it was great it was an online christmas bingo game it's like okay, okay pull out your phones blah 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 it's like here we go it's like you know because you know christmas parties they wanted to play okay christmas bingo blah blah and found out that not on the computers, but on the iPhone, um, everybody would get the same card. Hmm. And you couldn't renew the card on the iPhone. You mm -hmm. hit like There's like a little arrow for like new card, new card, new card. And it worked on the computer. It did not work on, on iOS. Okay. How about yeah. Android? What about Android? I, I don't have one of those, so I don't know. Okay, I, so I, don't my know my guess is probably okay. Okay. Because that yeah. was probably the design and whatever is happening there. That's the yes. kind of thing. Right. And speaking okay. of... Games, by the way, one last thing, for mm. example, and a lot of people will, you know, again, arguing with what we're talking about and even the use of games. But there's this um, game called, I don't know if it's still around, it's um, Smack the Pingu. Smack the Penguin. It's about, <laughs> I was somebody I knew who was working on their PhD said, "Hey Charles, this is what I do when I don't want to read anymore or get writing." Anyway, it's a game where um, this like caveman kind of guy um, hits a, a drop penguin with um, a club, and you see how far the penguin will fly and slide, and then it gives you the number readout in um, meters, for example, or feet. You can set it that way. It's a great, great game for teaching students numbers. Ooh. Right? Right? Because they're so excited to hit the penguin as far as, far as they can, and it's really a silly game. But, but make him say it, make him read and say so the then numbers. And you have like you have one oh, person yeah. and they hit the penguin and then the other they spin the phone over, okay, and then they the person reads the number to them as to how far their penguin went, yeah. okay, and they then they have to score. write it down yeah. and then the other person writes it down and then they compare their numbers to see whether or not they've communicated the numbers. In other words, it just opens up so many options. But the real key here, Tony, the real key is that if you allow your students to use a phone you can improvise so much better. You have that freedom, I think, to really yeah. run with things, right? You know, you come up with an idea, it's on the net, you think, okay, everybody, go to this page. Let's take a look at this. This is really cool. And especially when you're losing the class, you know, when mm -hmm. their tension and focus is gone, mm -hmm. send them to a fun YouTube thing. Send them to, you know, find some cat GIFs, GIFs or whatever and have them describe them to each other. It's just, 
you know, it's a great way to get the students back on task and refocused and it just gives you so much freedom. And I just, you know, I don't understand this. Put your phones away and don't look at them. When it just gives me so many more options. And, you know, the other thing too, Tony, I'm sure you found this, right? Is once you tell them that they can use their phones, there's a lot less of those hands under the desk and moving Oh, absolutely. Thumbs, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Although I still get the, the students who do that, and you just have to say, excuse me, but you know it's obvious. But that's really the minority. It's a small number of it's students. It's a very small number. Yeah, once you tell them, hey, use your I've got your that, phones. too. That's yeah, okay. yeah. It is funny, though, on the first day of class where I say, okay, everybody, with your cell phones, your K-Ties, your smartphones, and all of a sudden there's this massive, you know, Closing up and putting them away. And I say, no, put them on your desk, open, turn them on. And they're like, either the faces, it's like, wow, they're totally shocked. Mm -hmm. But I think we kind of covered a lot of the stuff pretty well, don't you? I got a list. Let me, let me, let me, I got more. I got more. I got tons of stuff. All right. So let's see. That's obvious. Um, uh, this couples in with uh, things like um, file store, online file storage, like whether it's Dropbox or whether it's the Microsoft thing or the Apple thing. Um, for example, if all your stuff is online, you've got access to it all the time. So uh, I, I, quite a few times, make up listening tests, having all your files there. Student missed a test. Okay, here. Here's my phone. Here's the file. Get out your headphones. Hook it up. There you go. Now, sit in the corner. Do your listening test. Whether it's a paper test or whether it's a listening test, um, having the all your files they're available via your phone incredible i guess we're gonna we talked about socrative before i guess we'll talk about it again sometime maybe okay. like a detailed explanation or something just like because it's because it's a whole thing all by itself but for use of the phone with socrative in class it's it's again once you see what it is or understand what it is it's a no-brainer and um, it's, it's perfect on the phone. It's per they did a really great job. It works. It works. Yes, it now works. Yes. <laughs> when I first started using it, it was intermittent, but now it just works. It's nice. It's very yes. nice. Uh, a timer. Your every phone has a timer in it. So yes, whether you're yes, like yes. doing how long something takes, or if you have on a, a closed end exercise, it's like five minutes. I have this great um, ringtone of this. Um, I'm Jim Dalrymple. I'm sure some of you guys, are listeners, know who he is, but he's this big bear of a man with this incredible laugh and so i've got this 30 second laugh sequence as a thing so you know the kids do their speaking test it's like five minutes over the, and then it comes this big laugh at the end and they can't you know and the test they ends up with a big smile win mm. win 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 great idea we talked about voice to text um text to voice um mm. to have them okay they're reading something reinforces like hey listen you you, you you're reading this thing have it read it to you too follow it along read it it picks up their reading speed and it gives them the next dimension of hearing things, um, reinforces. And even even if it's the machine's intonation, it's still better than nothing. Yes, it's Have, just good enough. Yeah. Um, Siri, timer reminders. You're in class. It's like you hit, hey, dingus, tell me when it's 10 after 10 because you want to do something. You want to make sure you, you leave enough time for an exercise at the end of class. Um, you got the phone in your pocket. It's going to remind you at, at a certain time in class. It's okay. Time to end this and move on to something else. Um, Siri also can flip a coin. So when they got their phones out on their desk, they say, "Okay, you're playing a game." I didn't know that. Yeah, it's just like, it's like Siri, flip a coin. And you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's, it gets cute. It says like, "Oh, it rolled under the bed." It's like, you know, "Ha ha." <laughs> that's that's really kind of 2011. <laughs> Come on, see, I, don't don't put the coin under the bed. Tell me it's heads or tails. But then, but that is, uh, but it's yeah. I mean, for that kind of thing, it's like. So what are we gonna do? I do this. this? I go. I pull out the phone. They flip a coin. Ah, oh, okay. They learn that they can do it. That they, they talk to the machine. It's it's great. You know, you just gave me a great idea, Tony. <clears throat> I just realized that I didn't ever thought about using the timer this way. But as you know, putting the phone somewhere, and as soon as I start talking, mm. turn the timer on and set it for like a vibration alarm of like one minute. To make sure that I don't talk too much. Time to class. shut up. <laughs> Time to shut up. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's because what I, I use mine for. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't go talk. So, okay, stop talking. <laughs> right. Right. I understand. But that's what I just realized. It's a great way to use it. I should uh -huh. do that now. That's and you can good. and you can do it with Siri, and you don't have to like or whatever. I, I'm sure the there's an Android equivalent, but yeah, it's just like the, the, the phone was saying, remind me when it's like nine twenty. But and if, like, right, and if you keep doing it enough. You'll be able to 
start watching yourself better and you probably amount a teacher talk will you kind of train yourself yeah because you're just training yourself yeah okay um you, you mentioned um my turn you mentioned um dropbox having stuff online mm -hmm. the great thing i love is that i always tell my students to get dropbox or some you know google drive or the apple thing or whatever and then when the student says i forgot my homework all i have to do is say okay just let me take a look real quickly show me and they bring it up on their phone yep and that's just really helpful i say okay now just send it to me and I got it, or it's very useful. Um, if they forget um, for their presentations, they forget to print out their slides, for example, they can minimally use the phones to show their, their slides on the phone, which is mm. not great, but it still works okay. Mm -hmm. So I just think it gives them a lot more freedom, and it means that just in case things that used to, you know, my, my dog ate my homework kind of thing. Yeah, 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 sure. It's no exactly. longer a problem as right. long as they've... Uh, they're storing their stuff on um, Dropbox or some kind of cloud service. And also then they're, they're not losing things. And if they say, I'm sorry, I lost my homework. I said, well, you have Dropbox, right? And they say, yeah. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I explained this to you. We've talked about this before. Um, I can't give you credit. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Mm. You know, that kind of feeling guilty that I was too strict and that maybe the student really, you know, did something, lose something. But this way it's great. And I like the fact that they can modify, they can share, they can send each other their documents. And if I could just teach them how to use some other kinds of um, services, I'd be really happy. But that's another podcast in and of itself. <laughs> you got anything else on your list? I just got a couple of fast ones. Okay. Um, and the one which is probably another topic all unto itself, but um, I'm sure in violation of all kinds of universities' policies, um, I use... Um, both, not both, but all, um, email, SNS, and other, you know, and Facebook, you know, Facebook, um, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, with um, student communication, not only for um, strictly, you know, you know, homework kind of things and explaining assignments and receiving students' reasons for absences, and as well as other personal, only tangentially related information. I know someone's doing, for example, a paper on AI. If I see um, an interesting thing on artificial intelligence, I will send it to them either by email or Twitter or Facebook or whatever it might be. Um, I use that a lot. My students uh, learn to use it a lot. And I'm sure that's, uh, I know at least one of the universities, they want you to limit your communication with students only using the official university email address which i don't even know what mine is because the last thing i need is another email account um but anyway that's neither here nor there they've got their web page and they've got various ways to get through it but um for example on, on a test day where a student's on the on the train and they says you know i'm 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 running late blah 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 there's you know whatever for whatever reason um it's just it's incredible uh help to me just in terms of knowing what's going on um um, also just very, and this is a very tangential type thing, but it's the last thing on my list. Um, there is, or was a, uh, manufacturer of, um, auxiliary battery cases for phones. Um, one or more of them in, include like a laser pointer built in, which I thought would be, I'm talking about things, not things to like, it would be really handy sometimes, but. You don't want to carry a laser pointer when you run all the time, but have one like built into your phone all the time. That's a pretty cool thing. It's even if you want to torture a cat on the way to and from work or something. Um, I'm not even going to go there with that comment. <laughs> First off, how many cats are there on the train? Okay, but uh, well, on the walking, the on the way, yes, I'm okay. a long, it's a long there's walk. There's a lot of cats in your neighborhood. There are. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, I think the fact of it makes communication so much easier, and I think that the schools are. You know, this fact that we should not be communicating with students that much through alter uh, except for email. The kids don't like email. Yeah, they're a couple steps behind. Yeah. So, for example, as I've said before, we use Skype. Um, uh, what is it called? Not Skype, but uh, Tw Twitter Slack. line. Slack. Slack. Okay. And, you know, once the students really like that and they like line, they don't, you know, they almost always form a class group, group yeah. you know, for every class. And that's really good. And I can even tell students sometimes, okay. You know, let everybody know, you know, this, 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 this or something. 
but I think the schools are just, they're going to have to figure out something to do. And they're so, you know, paranoid about, you know, student numbers or something. And, you know, and it's, you know, there, you know, you shouldn't have your stuff offline. You shouldn't have it in other servers as if like my school's security system is better than Google's. Yes. Right. You know, excuse me, but do you really think that this is more, this is safer uh, than what Google is doing or something on, like Apple? Another, another topic for another, another topic. Security, okay. right? Right. And what well, just absurd responses and paranoias and fears and irrationalities about security. Yep. Okay. Anything and, uh, else? Yeah. The upside, or? upside down thinking, right? Yeah. Okay. I want to add anything else, Tony? I'm pretty much, you know, okay. I think I've mentioned most of the things i think i got through everything yeah it's okay. i think we'll leave that for like maybe we need to do that again like maybe in depth another day we mentioned it but we never did like a whole episode it's it's, it's worth it's worth an hour yeah 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 i think it's it's such a useful 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 tool mm. and um we can talk about that maybe another time but that's yep. for another podcast okay so, so end of the year new year ahead i mean right here we're on the cusp yeah 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 this one went fast, quickly. Mm. They get keep going faster and faster. This one could have, I, yeah, could have. Anyway. This one could have gone faster. I would have been happy. This one I could have done without. Yeah, it was, a diff, it was a difficult year for me. But, for everybody, um, man, that all the deaths and the, you know, especially for us. We just got hit we with Americans two more, by the way. Two more. Yes. In just a couple of days. George Michaels and Carrie Fisher. <clears throat> yes. Yes. Unbelievable. She was sixty and he was fifty-three. It was rough, 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 rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of people. Let's see: Rick, Alan Rickman, David Bowie, Leonard Cohen, right? <clears throat> Who else? It's it's a it's a list. I'm. Oh, it's a big list, right? Um, Harp, to Kill a Mockingbird author, right? Also passed away. Um, yeah, it's a long list. Okay. But I don't want to get more of it here. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> Tony, end of year, you know, happy new year. And I hope uh, 2017 is a great year for you. Thank you, Charles. And, uh, and to you, you and yours, too. okay? And, um, and to our listeners also. Happy holidays. To our holidays. listeners, have a wonderful 2017. Great. Have a great new year. Let's keep fingers crossed and try to stay positive. Okay. All righty. All right. Two teachers talking everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, just add two teachers talking to something and it'll work. We'll pop up. Okay. Be well, Tony. All righty. Bye.